bless you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this times, moments. Father, we thank you for seasons, seasons, times of blessing, refreshing. Lord, you are you're bringing redemption, redeeming the time. Lord, thank you for you are reaping, tearing us away from the bondage of corruption, bringing us into the glorious liberty, liberty of the sons of God. Jesus, our high priest, our Lord, we extol you, we exalt you, we magnify you, worship you this morning. Bless you. Bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We sanctify the Lord God in our heart. Yes, we separate your life, your ways, your thought, your, your spirit, your doctrine. Separated this morning, Lord. Father, we thank you. We, uh, we come again before you, Lord, with just openness, brokenness, willingness, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us for blessing, for you, the blessing of the Spirit which you want to put upon every soul and upon a mental fresco. Franatosia, Pratubianto, Figalantosia, Haiprano, Kipi Hon, Tafayat, Alon, Jaloto, Friasto, Efrenata, Lotta, Atalotta, Etalotta, 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 Empretalotta, Efrenamatalotta, Epretalotta, 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 Epretalotta. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we pray, come and help us this morning. Come and bless us with utterance, with the right words to say, the right thoughts to meditate upon. Come and bless us with more of your grace, uh, Lord, more of grace upon hearts, upon vessels. Lord, come and, come and remove weaknesses. Lord, come and pour your strength. Let there be a ministration of strength, a release of your grace, of your power. Oh God, this morning through the vehicle of words, of sound speaking, Father, Kenish to Pranto Vias Kolimenohata, Ephratamatuya. Unleash Lord the power of your gospel here. I pray, Lord, for grace for entrance, breakthrough into the oracles. Father, for those who desire such, who are at such time, such precipice, where such a, an encounter, Lord, is needed. Father, for breakthrough, 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 breakthrough into the streams, into the streams of life. opening. For not opening of blind eyes, cause lame to walk, bring deliverance to the cupped 
eaves, oh Father. Thank you, our God. Give you praise, Holy Spirit of God. Come and help us and quicken ministry of the Spirit. Help make us open, Lord, even to ministers from heaven to help us this morning. We take not this chance lightly, an opportunity, Lord, to gather, Lord, in the Spirit this morning. We know great things will happen here. Thank you, our God. We give all the praise. Lord, use my heart, break my heart afresh. I don't know your word. It's very clear. I don't know the word. I pray you come and help me. Guide me and use your, put your tongue in my own tongue, oh God, not to speak of my own things and my own self. Oh Father, to bring blessing to every heart this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's 
It's it's it's an altar. Tick 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 tick. Praise God. Amen. Good to I'm seeing your the spirit on you this morning to interpret so. Blessing is coming. Blessing has come. Oh, we have come to bless. We have come to bless. Oh, open your heart. For to open is to turn. Open mm. and turn. For to open is to turn. Open your heart. Turn to me. Turn to me. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. And I will feel it with the blessing. We are approaching. Start to turn. Start to turn. Lay down. Lay down. Cast thoughts. Cast doubts. Turn them away. Turn them away. And open. Receive what we are bringing. Receive what we are bringing. Because we have come to cast down. We have come to help. We have come to help. We have come to graciously help. Receive gracious help. Receive gracious living. For we come with a commandment to bless. A commandment to bless. And when a commandment comes, there is no turning. It has to be fulfilled here on earth. Here in men. Because we see you. We see you. We see you. We hear your cry. Your cry has brought him down. Your cry has brought him down. And he is here to deliver that which you have asked for. Only do not miss out at this moment. For this is your Kairos moment. Your moment of blessing. Open your heart and be blessed. Be blessed. Thank you, Father. We, Lord, we give you praise. Worship your name. Amen. Praise God. Um, today, this morning, um, oh, thank you, Father. Um, I, let's just open our Bibles. Um, let's open to... Um, Quickly about the the oracles of God, just to touch on that. Thank you, Father. Um, the Lord wants to bless people, maybe par particular people. Um, I feel maybe praise God. Let's just see how the Lord will flow with us. Um, Hebrews 5, verse, five verse, um, verse 12, praise God. 
um, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, that you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the, the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. Amen. Amen. For when you ought to be teachers, you, you have neither one teach you again that which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have have their what their senses exercised to do what? To discern both good and evil. Praise God. Uh, so they there is the, the first principles of the oracles. The, the oracles of God, an oracle just means a, um, a kind of technology of speaking, to speak of, of, of or the provision to gain access into the, the voice, the word of a deity. A deity means a god. Um, someone or an oracle is a means of hearing from a dimension that is beyond your own, um, your own, praise God, devices when you you need to hear from a higher realm praise god you need an oracle an oracle um, is designed to bring forth message bring forth speaking praise god from a realm of life that is higher or that is more advanced than your own so god um, we know, of course, this day, this time is a time of God speaking. You know, God has been speaking for a long time. Hebrews chapter 1 say that God, who at sundry times, diverse manners, speak to the fathers by the prophet, has in this last day, he's done what? Spoken to us by his son. So you're seeing the speaking. One thing that's constant is God speaking. But the, God can change the the mood of speaking. And he can change the medium, praise Jesus, of speaking. So he said the first principles of the, the oracles, so the oracles is in plural, not in singular. So it means that God does not have just one oracle. God has oracles. And every oracle of God has his own signature of speaking. He has his own way of speaking. Every oracle has a spirit that is attached to it, that 
almost like characterizes that season of speaking. And so you see verse, verse 12 is tying um, and verse 13, when you put them together, you say that everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a what? A babe. So you have the, the you can clear the oracles of God is divided first. If you want to mention all the things that they are mentioned here, there is milk here. Do you see that? Then there is word of righteousness. In verse 13, there is milk. That's one, one season of use. There is a word of righteousness. And everyone who is unskillful in the word of righteousness is a baby. So it means that and milk is for babes. So the word of righteousness is higher. So when you say, when we are saying word of righteousness, this is the scriptures, praise God, telling us, dividing the oracles of God into milk. And then it speaks about the word of righteousness, which is a higher is an oracle for a higher skill level. The a higher what? A higher skill level. The oracles of the word of righteousness is a higher oracle than the oracle of milk of the word. It means that one of the graduations from a baby to when you become a child, a child is somebody who can learn, right? That's the, the main, someone who you can, you can train, you can give instruction. That's how you know a baby is moving from a baby to a child when they can now be instructed. They are now becoming a child, not just a baby. Praise God. And so the word of righteousness, um, when the soul begins to move into the season of the word of righteousness, you're moving into the season of instruction. Um, in the season of milk, the baby does the instructing, right? Very clear. You need to see me in my house carrying my daughter ever. She just points. Anywhere she points, anywhere her spirit will let to go. <laughs> That's where you have to take her. If you don't want trouble in your life, just carry her wherever she's pointing there. This one, that one now. So she's the one. Babies give instruction. And these things are very clear. It's very clear. Since you got born again, you've been instructing God since you got born again. Right? Yes, sir. What do all Christians do in the world? They are instructing God. God, do this now. God, do that now. God, do this. That is just babes. Praise God. So the oracle of the milk is not an instructing oracle. It's an oracle that submits to instruction. In a sense. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Um, it's an oracle that that submits to instructions of babies who are not really interested in being instructed yet by God. Right? When you are a baby, a sign that you are a baby is that you pray your own prayer point. You do whatsoever, whatever is in your heart, you ask God. Whatever you desire, you ask the Lord. And the Lord will cooperate with you because he doesn't want trouble. Amen. You know babies give trouble. Yes, sir. Christian babies, right? Yes, sir. 
Amen. When a Christian baby is around and they tell you what they want, when you, you don't need to talk. Just when you smell what they want, if you're a pastor that has sense, you have to be afraid. Don't <laughs> stay around the boundary that you feel they are giving to you. If you encroach more, you're going to cause trouble. Right? But the word of righteousness is, it involves, is a higher oracle, praise God, that to graduate people from babies into childhood, right, in the spirit. For season of instruction, verse 14, but strong meat belonged to them. So you're seeing three things here, milk, then word of righteousness, and then strong meat. So strong meat is, is higher than word of righteousness. Strong meat is higher than the meat. So it's clear that the word of righteousness is the meat of the world. So you have the milk of the world, you have the meat of the world, and you have the word, the strong meat of the world. And these three are different oracles of God. And the oracles of God, they open up according to measurement of growth. According to measurement of growth and measurement of development. Do you see that? As you're growing, well actually as you're growing, you should, be, you, should be, you should be transferred from one oracle to another. The other oracle will say, I'm handing you over to the next oracle. And then the other oracle will take you up and train you and train you and train you and then hand you over to the next oracle. Are you seeing that? Yes, Praise God. Praise it says, for strong meat belonger to them that are full of age, that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses to do exercise, to do what? To discern both good and evil. Amen. Amen. So, so you're seeing then that um, the the Exercise, the realm of exercise. Exercise is what produces fullness of age. When they say that um, strong meat belonged to them, that would belong, it means that these are the people who are qualified for strong meat. Right? It's people who have done what? They've done all these things. They've what they call reason of use, have gotten their senses exercised to discern both good. It means that you cannot partake of the oracles of the strong meat of the world without with unexercised senses. That there's a particular kind of sense that must have been exercised inside a person before the strong meat of the world begins to come. Otherwise, there will be difficulty. Praise Jesus. Do you see that? And um, in the book of Isaiah 28, um, he said that whom shall he teach knowledge? Um, you see, let's just quick, okay. Isaiah 28 verse nine. Um, who shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? So, you see, teaching, whom will he teach? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Is them that are weaned from the milk and are drawn from the word, 
from the breast. So what he calls knowledge and doctrine here, they are the, they are the unique element of word of righteousness. So anybody who, the exercise of the word of righteousness is to gain skill in knowledge and in doctrine. You have to be skilled in knowledge and in what doctrine. That's what makes, you see, this is the Bible. Right? I'm just, we all know this, but I want to read this sometimes. Uh, in my see if you know, there's a way the devil will make you feel like you don't know things that you know. So I have to bring them back to you to, to show you again from the Bible. What is word of righteousness? It's just word of righteousness that's here. What we're just showing that after you have enjoyed milk and everything, praying about your life, asking God for this, asking God for that, God blessing you like a baby. Then the, the next season of your Christianity is this. It's where you, you, you learn knowledge and it bring to you the understanding of what of doctrine. The doctrine means what is the, the content, what the knowledge is trying to bring to you. Do you agree? Yes, Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. It's them that have been willed, willed, weaned from milk and them that have been what, drawn from the, from the breast. Praise God. Now why the, why move from from milk to knowledge and doctrine. Why is it necessary to move from milk to knowledge and then what? And doctrine. Why is it necessary? And then why is it necessary to move from the word of righteousness into the strong meat of the word? Why is it, why is it important to make Migrations through the oracles of God. Amen. It's you discover that each oracle of God is a provision for things that God have discerned that men need answers to. You see that things that what God has designed that men need what need answers to. Now, those things are the, the plagues, the problems of men, things that stop the development of man. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. If we go to Second Corinthians very quickly. Second Corinthians chapter six. For they say amen. amen. Verse from verse fourteen. Second Corinthians six fourteen. If you are there, say amen. amen. I says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
For, for what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? You see that? Then what communion had light with darkness? The word unequally yoked means, you know what a yoke means? A yoke is what they put on the neck of animals when you see two animals pulling a plow. That's the old in this technology of plowing the field. You take two animals, you want to combine their strength together to, do, to pull something. You have to yoke them together. So I don't, unequal yoke is when you take two animals of two different heights or two different strengths and try and put them together to carry the same, to push the same thing. Right? He said that you, you cannot be, you shouldn't be unequally yoked together. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be tied together with on unbelievers. He said if you are tied with unbelievers, that yoke is an unequal yoke. Right, the yoke is not equal. And what they are telling is that you can never be equal to an unbeliever. As long as you can go to the same job, go to the same school, do the same career, do the same things, but you can never be equal. If you say, let's do the same thing, and you try and do their thing, when you check in the spirit, it's an unequal yoke. You, you can never, by virtue of your spirit, being raised from the dead, right? The, you can't ever have the same yoke, praise God. With, so, but the, the, the thing, the, the problem that the, the Bible wants to solve is to deal with, first of all, you have to see this, it's possible to be unequally yoked. If it's not possible, it will not say, be ye not. Yeah, right? It's, so, so tell me, who is, an un, who is a unequally yoked fellow or Christian? It's somebody who got born again, but what? They refuse to do what? They refuse to graduate, or they are, they are born again, but they, are, they carry the same burden, and they are using their soul to do the same task, to run the same program as an unbeliever. Right? So it means that what an unbeliever carries as burden, the burden of their life, focus of life, what we do, what we go after, the things that make them pant. Someone can be born again. So it means that every Christian is born into an unequal yoke. The moment you get born again, that yoke becomes, it was equal before, but now it's just unequal, yeah. right? Because you have become a different animal, a different entity. You get what I'm saying? The, that entity that you are can never file into the same pursuit of an unbeliever anymore. Glory to God. So there has to be a program to break the yoke. That, that yoke, what we call yoke, is what ties you to the life of an unbeliever. 
that thing is the yoke is not outside. The yoke is on the inside, right? It's inside the soul. It's your, your yoke is your drive. Your yoke is your drive. Your yoke is your burden. Your yoke is what you are trying to accomplish with your life. So that thing of dealing with yokes is, you know, he said, I shall come to pass in those days that his, the burden shall be lifted up from off thy shoulder and the yoke shall be destroyed. The yoke shall be broken because of the anointing. The anointing is talking about the spirit. It's talking about fatness. It's not just maybe oil upon you. That anointing is a kind of fatness that the soul will gain, right? To do what? To, to shatter the, the yoke. Amen. Amen. Shall come to pass, Isaiah 10 verse 27, shall come to pass in that day that his body shall be taken off from thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of what? Whose yoke is this? This is the yoke of the Assyrian. If you go back just a little bit, it's hard. Maybe we can't read everything. Um, praise God. Verse 24, So therefore thou said the Lord God of hosts, O my people that dwell in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrian, for he shall smite thee with a rod, and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt. See, so he's after this Assyrian uh, they are after the manner of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. So when you're reading Isaiah, you see the Assyrian is talking about these are spirits of captivity and spirits of types of bondage or captivity of the soul. Do you know that every yoke is a captivity? And every yoke is a bond, is a shackle on the neck, right? So every Christian, when you get born again, you're born again, it doesn't mean that you are born, it doesn't, you are not free, nobody is free by getting it, becoming a Christian. You are, you are born again, you now discover that you are inside a yoke. What is a yoke? It's that which yokes you to the unbelieving life. So you now have to spend the rest of your Christian journey on an investment on the things that can deliver you from that bondage. Do you see that? Go back, please. That verse 24, yeah. It says, smite it with a rod and shall lift up his staff, okay, against thee after the manner of Egypt, verse 25. It says, for ye yet a little while the indignation shall cease and mine anger in their destruction, and the Lord of hosts shall stir up a scourge from, for him according to the slaughter of Midian, the rock of Oreban, his rod was upon the sea, so shall he lift it up after the manner of Egypt. He's talking about that operation of bondage. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, and his yoke shall be from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed. So you see the what a yoke does, a yoke, um, a yoke installs body. It, a yoke is a tie to a body. If you're carrying a body, there's a, every yoke 
has a burden attached to it. So the problem with being unequally yoked to unbelievers is that you carry the burden of an unbeliever. You can't have the yoke and not, and not carry the burdens that they have. Glory to God. But the provision for dealing with yokes is food. Right? The provision for what? Dealing. This is the purpose of the oracles of God. Well, God knows his children are not okay. He has to be feeding them and feeding them and feeding them until they grow fat enough to break that yoke. They have to become fatter than the yoke that is on their neck to release them from the burden. So every soul will bear the burden of an unbeliever if you refuse to feed. If you refuse to feed, if you refuse to eat. I know that yokes are in degree. There's the yoke of bondage, then there's the yoke of captivity. They are not the same. You need the word of the meat of the word to make you fat enough to break the yoke of bondage. And you need the strong meat of the word to fatten you more to break the yoke of captivity. Amen. They are not two, they are, these are two deliverances which the soul must occur. And they are according and each oracle, so you can see it's clear that each oracle is, is, a, is a provision from God against certain kind of, a certain kind of bondage that the soul has. Every oracle is a provision against a bondage. It's against a shackle. You're shackled, you must feed and feed and feed and feed and feed and feed until your soul grows fat enough to do what? To break out of that shackle and out of that bondage. Praise Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. So quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, amen. It says, so what? Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? You see that. Um, and then what communion? You see, towards their fellowship and then communion. So these two things are what yokes, um, yoke will enforce. When you yoke together, you fellowship together, then when you fellowship together, then you commune together. There will be a, there will be a fellowship, there will be a communion. There will be a communion and a fellowship in the place of a yoke. And so if you see that that fellowship and communion, communion is actually has to do with feasting. Right, you see that the, the content of communion, for example, with the Lord's table, they call it the Holy Communion, right? It's a table which the Lord set on the Spirit for His people to feast upon. It's actually a particular table. That Lord's table is a table of His strong meat in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so it says, what communion? So it means that the way that that yoke is enforced is actually by a type of a communion. 
which the soul feeds on. You, when you, you, you tend to feed where you are yoked. Right? You tend to do what? You tend to feed where you are yoked unless help comes. So, the, the reason for Oracle is to bring food that is not within your, the device of your person. It's to bring a provision from a place that you would not ordinarily have access to. Now, if a person say, I don't want to hear the oracle of God, I know what the things that are good, I'll just be a good person. All of your goodness will be configured by your communion, and then you will stay in the place of your yoke. You will not be able to hear things that are beyond. So, and it's clear that the person who yoked you will make sure that the thing that he food, what is feeding you with, can never fatten you. Right? It will make sure that Satan, this is the devil, every food of every person in, that is worldly came, is come from Satan. What are food? Food is your thought. What you are thinking of. Now, now check it. Every place in the world there is food. Everywhere in the world. Everywhere. When I say food, I mean your soul feeding. There is something to feed on. There is an information. There's a body of knowledge. Because that is how you establish fellowship and communion. You have to, you have to put something there that the soul can taste. That can make the soul. That has a promise of satisfaction. Right, that's what food means. It's a promise of satisfaction. It will say, this thing will satisfy me. Ah, oh, when you see something, if I do this thing, if I stay with this thing, it will satisfy me. That is a type of food. Food can be ambitions. Food can be status. Food can be sense of security, materially. Food can be association, friendships. Right? Food can be religion. Food can be anything. Right? Food is just anything that will make, that gives you a promise of satisfaction. You will commit to it. The, person, the way a person can commit to their career. Why are they committing to it? Because they want to eat from it. I'm talking of their salary, not the salary. The salary can feed the body, but beyond the, what's feeding the body, the person... What makes some people go to work is beyond that. It's that it's the, there's something you are eating from it. You understand what I mean? It's something you are, say, say eating. You can, you can eat. I'm a medical doctor. What do you do? I'm a medical doctor. <laughs> By saying that, you can just eat something. You just eat. By that. You know, just humbly, I'm, a, I'm an MD. I just do. Do you see that? that do you know how that can be a food? Then, in that moment, he would just feel, ah, all those my years of suffering was not in vain. It's so that I can say this. So, nothing in the world is ordinary without what? A promise to satisfy your soul with something. And while you are walking, sowing your energy, into things, 
you will be, what the, when you are getting weak, you remember the food, you remember the provision, the satisfaction, the safety that the world wants to give to you, and then you keep going. You get, so in every place in the world, there is that thing. Where you are yoked, there is a food there. When you find that the food is designed to, to, cause, to cause leanness, Every food that God didn't bring in the season will cause leanness like in the, in the wilderness. Right? The Bible said they cried for, 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 for meat. God was giving them manna. Manna, which is, they call it the corn of heaven. The food of angels. God was giving them manna, his own provision. I know manna is differently. It's the different food. It's to make them fat in another way. It's for to, the purpose of manna was to fatten them for inheritance, to fatten the soul, so that, the, you know, they came out of Egypt, like we're reading there, they came out of Egypt with yoke. The yoke followed them through Red Sea into the wilderness. You saw they were acting like yoked fellows. When they came out, they were, they were warring with Moses. Are there no graves in Egypt? Talking about, it means that the yoke was pulling them. Something on the inside of their soul was pulling them back to Egypt. Praise God. And then God wants to, God was changing their taste buds. They were asking for garlic, cucumber, everything we eat. And God said, no, I want to give you another food entirely. Which is a manna from heaven. Then after a while, they murmured, they cried, they did everything. Then God now submitted, okay, no problem. God now sent quails, right? Meat. And then they ate and ate and ate and until they became disgusted. And the Bible says that he, look at Psalm 106, but they, they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert and he gave them their request. God gave his way. So if, if a soul is rejecting oracle, God will not force you. He will, help, he, will, he will encourage you. He will entice you. He will talk to you. And then, but after some time, God can, what? Give in to the request, but send, what? Leanness onto their soul. It means for those people, God gave up on the project of fatness, of breaking their yoke, of delivering them. And then God just began to plan of how to kill them one by one which he did. Because you can't bring a people with the yoke, of, the yoke of Egypt to inherit the land of promise. Right? Are you seeing that? So the purpose of food is to bring fatness. Isaiah chapter 25, and in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the leaves of fat things, full of marrow, praise God, of wines on the leaves well refined, praise God, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering that is cast over all people. Now and then what? The veil that is spread over, amen. Why did you take it away? And it will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering, thank you, cast over all the people 
And then the veil that is spread over all nations. Are you seeing this thing called covering, cast? How many people did they cast covering over? You know, some people don't like this kind of message when you're talking about a career. Or, uh, why are you associating career with something evil? You know, that's where you get some souls. That's how you tell babies. You know, people who get angry, these people who have been commanding God all their life, God, this job, they pray, and then God will give them. This one. And so you know God as someone who gives anything you ask. Then you now wonder, then someone is now saying that those things, they can be evil in some of those things. You know, how can something that God gave me? Doesn't God bless with money? The same money that they say is the root of all evil, that Jesus called unrighteous mammon. God who can bless you with it. Now, you're seeing that the difference is in senses. They, they must exercise the senses. That's what the word of righteousness is for. To make the senses, we just read that, exercise to discern. Knowing good and evil needs discernment. If it needs discernment, it's not obvious. And if good and evil is not obvious, it means that there are things that are evil that will appear good. And things that are good can appear evil. And the, and the ability to discern which is which is not inside the natural discernment of a man. A man must hear oracles. Oracle means foreign sense. Another sense, the sense of God, the mind of God, must come. How did this man, able to spread all these things over all people, right? He calls it the face of the covering, right? The face of who? Of a covering that is what? Cast. Every man is under a face that is a covering. Covering means it limits you from seeing. And the veil is the same thing that is spread over whole nation. Glory to God. So to break through, you see, these things, the face, the covering, or the covering cast, and the veil are what are, those are the, the if you say, what is the shackle of yoke? The shackle of yoke is the, is the covering that's cast over men. That covering is a blanket. When you just spread blanket over everybody, it's the same blanket. All men think the same way. When you bring word of righteousness, people who have issues with it, line hundred of them up and ask them, why do you have a problem with word of righteousness? The answer they will give you is the same thing. You know, I say, did you guys all have meeting to... <laughs> You know, no, there's no meeting. It's just a covering that's cast over. It's the same covering. It's the same, the same face. The same face is cast over men, and it supplies thinking. It supplies food. It means that all those men are all yoked in the same field. Right? Plowing the same field and eating what? The same food. Praise Jesus so and the veil that is spread over all nations, all nations, this veil is spread over them. He says, but 
glory to God. In, in, he will then in this mountain, he will, so you see there are two things here. Go to verse, the previous one. In this mountain shall a lot of us make unto all people a feast of fat things, feast of wines on the least, fat things full of marrow, of wines of the least were refined, verse seven. It says that, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering that is cast over all people and the veil that is spread. So there is the face of the covering and there is the veil. After the veil has been removed, this one that is spread over the nations and the people, there is still more. Go over verse, verse 8. And he will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all what faces and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth and the Lord has spoken up. Glory to God. So the, the swallowing of death in victory is when you swallow up death, you are going to the, the source. Death here means the source of sin, where sin came from. So everything they are, they are showing you here, Isaiah 25 is telling you the effect of food. You know, it's food that will do all these things. So you want to have victory over Satan. Remember they said in um, 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy that will be dis- destroyed, this word, is death. Amen. Amen. T- to have victory over the devil, over Satan, cannot be gotten without food. Not just any food. Not every food is the same. Not every message is the same. Not every preacher is the same. Not every word is the same. There is, if you want a word that can remove covering caste, you have to go to an oracle that has the message that can produce the exercise of the soul that can make you think above the covering, that can make you think above what all men are thinking. And nobody can have that. You can't lay hands on a person to get it. That person must feed and feed and feed and feed. As you are eating, the veil begins to get dissolved. That veil is not something you see physically. The veil is inside man. It's, inside, it's over the heart. It's over the mind. How you reason, how you think. It's just set, it's settled there. When you hear the message, the veil will speak. That one is extreme. Don't take that one. That one is that. Are you getting what I'm saying? No, don't, no, this is going too far. Um, don't, um, so don't do that. Don't do it to that extent. You have to retain your, you know, your, don't lose your mind here. Just do it a certain way. Just, who is talking? Veil. <laughs> He's talking. Your veil is jealous for you. And that veil knows when something is coming to tear it, to remove it. To destroy it, it will begin to generate arguments. Arguments. Many, many are. Have you seen a veil talking before? A veil is it's a blanket of thoughts. Woven. There are many, many. See, when you take a blanket, how many threads are in a blanket? There are many. Woven, 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 multitude, uncountable. Each thread is a thought. 
So it's, uh, so it's clear that the way they remove veil is you have to pull it thread by thread just to undo the weaving, to, to unweave a carnally weaved mind takes a lot of feeding, a lot of food. We have come to raise, raise, raise. We have come to raise your thinking. We have come to raise your thoughts pattern. We have come to raise. We have come to raise. But faith is needed for you to be raised. But faith is needed for you to be raised. And so we bring words of faith that will cause you to be raised. We bring words of faith that will cause you to be raised. For you need to learn the skill of turning. You need to learn the skill of turning. You need to learn the skill of turning. For unlike Cain, when you fall, you need to be able to turn back. When you fall, you need to be able to turn. You need to be able to turn. But if you have not been fed, when you fall, you will stay down. We want you to come up. We want you to arise. We know you will fall, but we have come to give you words that will break the yoke. We have come to give you words that will make you fatter than your fall. Receive the words. Turn. Be not like Cain. Be not like Cain. God. Just says what he's talking about is just addressing a kind of spirit uh, and a kind of attitude that has resistance to to feeding or resistant to to journey, re- resistance to turning. Praise God. Resistance to feeding means a kind of inertia that makes us so not journey with the with the oracles. It's stubbornness of souls. Stubborn, when you see a stubborn soul, a stubborn soul will stay on something. I will say, I'm not going to break when it comes to this area. I will hold on to this thing. You get what I'm saying? It's, a, it's an evil heart. Right? When you say, do not have an evil heart of unbelief in departing. Or, the evil heart of unbelief, you might not have decided to depart yet. But you can have an evil heart. They just in that that evil heart of unbelief, we end up departing from the living God. If you harbor it. <laughs> what, is the, what is the meaning of evil heart of unbelief? He's talking about it's this evil heart is the heart that is developed when you eat what unbelievers eat. When you are yoked together with unbelievers, you eat their food. That food sponsors their unbelief. And you know that? 
when you see an unbeliever analyze the current economy right now, this economy right now, they just analyze it. They just tell you, look, these are the things that you need to do to be okay. They tell you, look, this, the, the, the world financial system is about to collapse even. There's some things you just need to do. And now, when you go to the details of what he's saying, it might be true. <laughs> It might be true with the world when you go to uh, so sound this analysis. So, but that sound, that analysis is not the food. The uh, the food is the urgency, is the fear. Do you get that? Is the one? Do you, know, do you get what I'm saying? That fear, that thing. When you see many Christians, there are some Christians who don't analyze financial market, but still have that fear in them. And it manifests, and it manifests a different way. How it might manifest is when the world that wants to take you in a certain direction comes, you can fight it. Because you think, what will be my future if I sow myself wholly into this thing that this place is taking me? You see, that thing is an evil heart of unbelief because you are feeding on the same food of unbelievers. What do you th- what does Satan feed unbelievers with? There are many cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. Are, are you seeing are you seeing that? They say cares of this world. They're not just saying worldly things. They say cares. They are cares. That's the evil. That's the one that fights world. You know, Jesus was teaching about the parable of of the oracles. Right, that's the parable of the sower. He said the sower sowed the world, teaching how you disperse the the seed, the food to set souls free, how you, the, the sower disperses it, then it, it will begin to fight things in the hearts of men. Cares of this world. Not just that worldly things, but they have cares beside, behind them. You know, you can leave worldly things and go into a tiny room and stay there for five years and say, I want to be holy. But you discover that you left the worldly stuff, but you took the cares with you into the room. And after five years, you came up and said, wow, I spent five years away from all this stuff. Now I'm now righteous. Now I discovered that that care was just, it was just incubating. When you come out, it will continue from where it stopped. <laughs> when Jesus said, I don't say take them from the world, but deliver them. There's something called the evil. The evil is, is, is invisible. You need eyes. You need discernment. You need food to, to spell out what is the evil. Is the caring for the world that's the problem? Then the other one, they call it the deceitful, not riches. It's the deceitfulness of riches. This is the sight of Jesus. This is what Jesus was seeing in men when he refused to commit himself to any man, for he knew what was in them. These are the things he was seeing in them. So it's not just riches, it's the deceitfulness of it. Is more invisible. The deceitfulness of riches is more invisible than riches. Someone can be poor but retain the deceitfulness of riches. Then the second one, you now call it the lust of other things, not other things, the lust. You know, you think it's other things apart from the world, from the world, sorry. That's the problem. Someone can give, I say, all I'm going to take is just the word, just, I'm going to throw everything away and just leave Bible in my house. I don't even want couch. Couch is too, 
will make me too comfortable. I won't pray. So I will sleep on the background so I can always be waking up to pray every two hours and do everything. So all you say that I don't need other things. I just need the word. But they're saying it's not the other things that's the problem. You can give them away, but retain their lust. Do you see that? So he said these things entering in choke the word. And it becometh what? Unfruitful. Unfruitful. Praise God. So the heart, we have to be, you have to move into a season of sincerity in your heart. If you doubt sincerity of heart, you will not prosper with the oracles. And that's why no pastor can police his soul to develop. The sower sowed the word. But these things are there, man. It's not the what is it going to do? <laughs> so the sower will just cast the word, man, whatever, God help you, I'm going to be praying. Whichever ground you are. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Well, how do all these things enter inside the soul? It's the it's wrong food. The food, the feeding of the world. So when you're, going to, when you're going to a workplace, you're going there to work and they will pay you. It's not only money that's there. There is the love of money. Do you know that? It's not just money that's there. There's the love of So you must be equipped to take money without the love of it. Now, do you have the ability to do that? One, uh, right? Can you, can you take, can you have candle riches without its deceitfulness? Now, deceitfulness is a program, is a spirit. When you own the riches, the deceitfulness has a mouth. What to do with me right now? Oh, yeah, oh, hey, don't, that's how you handle this thing, okay? Don't, um, don't, um, leave it in that account first. That other account. No. The money will tell you which account to put it. It will be talking to you. <laughs> Amen. If you have any money that has mouth, quickly give it away. You understand? <laughs> Once you notice your money has what? It talks. <laughs> Once your money <laughs> Once your money talks, what should you do? <laughs> See you are you're a strange creature. I don't need you. <laughs> Go and look for the one that doesn't talk. You know, there's a level of money that your soul can handle without it talking. Yes, Stay at that level. <laughs> the day that you have some amount of money, just check. When it, the day that an amount of money, unusual amount of money enters your hand, be sensitive. That night, pray very well. And then... <laughs> And then sleep. Check whether you can go through the whole night without hearing a voice of that. <laughs> if you wake up and didn't hear anything, you are safe. But once you in the night, you wake up. Ah! <laughs> and sleep when the talk is so loud, you can enter dream world. You're already dreaming of. I just know that, man. 
Amen. Amen. Lost of other things. Praise Jesus. <clears throat> so food, it is food that will take care of these things. So he said that in this mountain, the Lord of hosts made unto all people a feast of fat things. A feast is a feast of fat. Say fat things. Fat things are things that will, are supposed to having leanness, things that will bring fatness of wines on the lees. That what means concentrated wine and of fat things that are full of marrow, of wines on what? On the lees that is well refined. So there is wine on the lees, then there is wines well refined. Wild wines that are well refined. Refined wine is more intoxicating. Well refined. Amen. Is what? So you see this breaking of meal, right? The breaking the meal into category of wines, right? You can see you can't separate whining from fatness. They have the same root um, essence. The root essence is spirit. Right? It, it's what? When you think of spirit, you think of oil. Oil. Oil, you think of fat. Right? That's one, one mood of spirit. Then you can also think of spirit as wine. Right? You think of, think of spirit as what? Spirit is also, it's also wine as well. So you see this two things coming together is what makes actual food. So it's clear that the oracles of God, both the oracle, all the, the oracles that for, of development has both fat and wine. It has fat and what? And wine. It has fat and wine. They are oracles of the spirit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, so what they are feeding you with, what you must feed an unbeliever with is spirit. An unbeliever, someone who is, or not just an unbeliever, sorry, someone who is yoked. You know, someone who's an unbeliever and one who is yoked with an unbeliever, there's no difference between them. They, they, they carry the same burden. They are doing the same thing. But what you need to break that yoke is food. You need to bring something that can destroy, that what can make a Christian begin to have divergence of ways from how an unbeliever behaves. You must bring a kind of food for that Christian, praise Jesus, to... Yeah to break that yoke and 
What breaks yoke is spirit. He said that the burden shall be lifted off from the shoulder and then the yoke shall be destroyed by what? The anointing. The, the anointing there is the spirit. It shall be destroyed by the anointing. What anointing? And the spirit that has been fed upon, that has taken time to produce fatness. You know, it takes time to produce what? Fatness, right? How, how is fatness produced? Fatness is produced by leading of the spirit. Right, that's how you, you get fatness. You get fatness by what? By leading of the spirit. Leading of the spirit will produce fatness. Leading of the spirit will make the soul fat. Another way to put it, he said the yoke shall be destroyed by the fatness. That's one, right? So when you are being led by the Spirit, is leading of the Spirit will lead you against your yoke. It's leading. When you see, it's an exercise. Leading of the Spirit is an exercise against yoke. What you are yoked to. They begin to bring instruction of the spirit against that thing that you are what? That you are yoked to. Are you seeing that? Praise God. So I spoke about two main kinds of captivity. So it then means that leading of the spirit are in two categories. There is somebody who has, you acquire leading from the oracle of the meat of the word. That's one type of leading of the spirit. Then another season of leading of the spirit is they'll say, not just wine, the wine on the leaves can lead, make you, when you drink it, you begin to pick leading a certain way. Then I say, let's give you another kind of wine. This one, let's make it well refined. Right? The, there are some things that you will not do unless you have a deeper intoxication. You need a what? A deeper in the purpose of the strong meat of the world is for a deeper intoxication. It's to do things because to deal with captivity is what it takes a higher what a higher intoxication, a stronger wine to break out of captivity than it takes to break out of bondage. Right? The the power that it would take, it took to deliver Israel from the house of bondage called Egypt is not the same power you need to deliver a person from the land of captivity called Babylon. Do you know why? Because the wine of Babylon is stronger than the wine of Egypt. 
Do you see that? The wine of what? Of Babylon is stronger than the wine of Egypt. That's why, because it's stronger, you need strong meat. What they call strong meat in the spirit. Right? Sometimes you wonder, if you have not drunk, eaten meat, you will never see the reason for strong meat. Do you see that? You will never say, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses. So wine is to work on senses. When you drink wine, it begins to target your senses. Your sense. Begin to behave in an incorrect manner in your sense. It's a type of exercise to give you a level of discernment. Let me tell you the difference between bondage and captivity. I'm sure you know this, but let me explain it to you. When you are in bondage, you know you are in bondage. When you are in captivity, you don't know you are in captivity. That's the difference. Why? Because you have been captivated. In bondage, you want to go. Hey, we are looking for a way out. How can I break out? Like Israel, we're looking for a way out of Egypt. Until Moses showed up. Ah, Moses. Let my people go. Ah, let's go. When you are in bondage, there will be indications. And something, you will have something in you. Even though you like something about that bondage, but there will be something in you that knows this thing. You know when you are tasting something bad? <laughs> I know you are bad, but you are sweet. <laughs> but when they slap your head, ah, I know this. I, know, I always knew this thing was bad. It just, I just knew. And Moses, we've been waiting for his savior since. Even though Egypt was still in them, they love the things of Egypt. But they, had, they were able to follow him. You get what I mean? So they knew that Egypt was in the Bible. But Babylon was different. The first thing, when they got to Babylon, they just, when they spread table, all manner of things. Food. Say food. The Bible call it delicacies, right? When, you say, when something is a delicacy, it's not just a food. It's different. It's a food that is delicate. It can... You know... The food knows different aspect of your. Ah! You're eating the food that, that touch one place inside. Oh my God! You, you didn't even know that your your soul has need for this kind of taste. That's a delicacy. When they, now do you see all that table is for what? Captivation. To. To captivate the holy people and lock them in a land that they will never even think of living. So you see, the, so the wine of Babylon is what stronger, stronger. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, so the programs of the the oracles. Um, for the, is, you want to summarize what is the reason for oracles. You want to summarize it. What, in summary, what is the purpose of the oracles of God? Is for what the Bible calls redemption. R- right? 
to redemption. Let's read it in Ephesians chapter 1 very quickly. The redemption of the purchased possession. We spoke about the spirit being the earnest of our salvation, of our inheritance, sorry. The earnest of our inheritance until the um, redemption of the purchased possession. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. It says, in whom you also trusted after you heard the, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. In whom also after ye believed, then you were that. This, that first belief is getting born again. Are you reading this? You've, when you believed, then you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit is a seal. That word seal is a kind of a, a, a cap of something. They, they seal your soul with it. But the seal of the Holy Spirit is not just, it's not a seal that everything has been finished. You know, Christians think that I'm born again. Now I have the Holy Spirit. And then Christians, so a lot of Christians think Holy Spirit in you means God is in you. Jesus is in you. All those beings are in you. No. It's just one. There are three of them. Just one that's in you. That Holy Spirit. Amen. And when you say he's actually in you, that thing just means one thing. You understand? It doesn't mean that in you he has chance to do anything. Someone can be in your house and you lock him up inside a room and he's sleeping there and all that. You don't, hey, I'm, I came with a message. Stay in your place. This is a busy house. There are many things going on here. You can't, uh, you know, a Christian, you can have the Holy Ghost in you and he's inside. He doesn't even have a say in anything that's happening in your life. He can't speak. He can't control. He can't shout. He can't lead. He can't do anything. He can't minister. Right? But we forget that what the Bible is saying here, that the Holy Spirit which you receive, it actually sits as a spirit of promise. What spirit of promise means is that it's a seal of promise. It's telling you that I'm here, but I'm actually here as I am a, I am a, a, an, a real living promise. Promise means it's not, it hasn't really, really come. The real thing is not here. That what I am is a spirit of promise. That if you have me, something has been promised to you. That's the Holy Spirit. It's a seal. A seal is also a stamp. That's what a seal is. It's a stamp. God stamp your soul. Something is promised to this one. I promise this to you. I promise. When you receive the Holy Ghost, the Lord is saying, I'm promising something to you. Do you see that? So that seal, they're explaining further, is the, the earnest. The word earnest means down payment. Token. The first installment. Right? Of our inheritance. So the Spirit of God, after getting born again, is not the inheritance. He is the down payment for the inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the word praise of his glory. So, are you seeing this redemption of the purchased possession? This is the real thing. The what we call our inheritance, the inheritance, what do you really need to inherit? It's God. 
God is your inheritance. We say, the Lord is my portion in the land of the living. The Lord is your inheritance. Is the cup of your inheritance. He is the one he wants to give to you. But the way of giving inheritance is by the program of redemption. Do you see that? So redemption means the full taking of ownership of the vessel, of that which was purchased. You were purchased, they gave you a seal of promise. Praise God, but God asked to redeem you. Redemption means you have taken it over for use. You've taken it to use it, right? You have now redeemed it. To redeem it, God can own you in this spirit. They know God owns you, but you are working for somebody else. Like we are all working for the devil, right? Why when we're born again? There's nobody here who is not working for the devil. And there's nobody here who's not working to the de- for the devil to an extent at this point, including the man who is preaching to you. And me, I know for sure, most of the ways I'm working for the devil, I don't even know yet. They need to heal my captivities fully. Before I, ah, wow, this thing I've been doing, this is actually a devil thing. <laughs> Do you see that? All of this, all these verses of the Bible should knock off some kind of, you know those foolish confidence, we are this, I'm this in God, I'm this in God, I'm a Christian, I'm this, I like this one, I'm, so I can now, all those kind of, you know, boldness should just, you calm down when you read this thing. You just ask yourself a question, have I been fully redeemed? Then, no, that redemption can be like a big English. Don't, then explain it further. Does God own me fully for his purposes? The answer is, true, is that he doesn't. Really, because that possession that has been purchased has not yet been redeemed. Are you seeing that? So God can have something, but that thing is yoked somewhere in another man's field. Plowing another man's ground. Right? An animal that God has purchased is in another man's field, the field of the devil, plowing his ground and eating his grain. Hence the need, the invention of oracles. God said, we need oracles. We need, or, we need a way that from where we are, we can be transferring signals of food to that entity who we want to redeem. How will we do it? Let's send the spirit into them. A spirit in them that can download signals of food, instructions of word, and begin leading of the spirit. You see, I told you leading of the spirit is what will, will produce. When you see this seal, how the seal of, of, the, of promise operate on the inside is to quicken activities that will eventually lead you to break off the yoke and locate your land of inheritance, which is in God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Say, until the redemption of what? The purchase pro- possession Unto the word, the praise of his glory. Glory to God. So, redemption. Say, redemption. Yes. Now, redemption 
is in twofold. Amen. Amen. Is in what? Is in twofold. Redemption is according to the number of, the numbers of redemption you need is according to the number of captivities you have. Right, you, it's first, they will have to redeem you from the first captivity. Then they'll redeem you from the second one or the first bondage. That one is the bondage, which is the world, right? Then the second one. Amen. Um, let's see Revelation chapter 14. Thank you, Father. Praise Jesus. Revelation 14, verse 1. It says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written where? In their foreheads. And I heard a voice of, from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a, a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their what, harps. And the song as it were a new song before the throne and before the beast and the elders and no man could learn that song. But the hundred and forty and four thousand which were the word redeemed from the earth. You see, that's one redemption. Say, so, and these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb with whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men. Second redemption. Being the word, first fruits unto God and unto what? The Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before what? The throne of God. Praise Jesus. Now, you see, the, the f- two redemptions, praise God, what he called redeemed. When he says redeemed from the earth, he's, he's saying redeemed from the, the program of the earth. Then verse 4. Then it says that they which are not defiled with, that word defiled with women, women is plural. So those are, and those women, they are two. Like we were saying last time, two women. They are the women of defilement in the spirit. Two women. One is Babylon. That's the world. All right. Go to Revelation 17. <clears throat> let's see. The let's see the first woman. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, 
with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth have been what? Made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So you see, everything about her is earth. Earth. That word earth is talking about where it is the earth, what you're calling earth here, is the is actually the, the prison of her bondage. That's the sphere of our operations. Right? And she has kings, praise God, of the earth that commit fornication with her. The inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so she carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and what? Ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered with what great admiration. Amen. Verse 15 says, okay, verse 14 says, This shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen, and are called and chosen and faithful. And he said unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore seated, are peoples and multitude and nations, and then what? Tongues. Praise God. So all, see people, multitude, nations, and then what? And, and tongues. Glory to God. Now, so this woman um, is, when it comes to the earth, she's in charge of the earth. You saw that we saw that veil that is spread over the nations. That veil is actually a feminine veil, right? It's the um, it's the covering that Satan has constituted, right? To to spread over men, and the operation of that veil is according to a type of an intoxication of wine, like this woman serves wine to the kings of the earth is to flood the earth with her wine that there should be no place on the earth where what where there is no that's without reach of the wine that she spreads Amen. I don't want to go too far into this thing here. Um, but um, what I want to establish to you is the, where, what the program of redemption is trying to, where the places where redemption 
wants to deliver and bring the soul out from. Redemption first from a woman, right, who has who has flooded the the earth, all nations, all tribes, all people, all tongues, all of them have tasted of that wine, right, of this woman. And that wine constitutes a kind of bondage in the soul that such people must receive another wine, another spirit for them to be delivered from her. Right? And then the delivery from this woman is according to exercise of senses. It is food, right? That will make, without the senses being exercised, right? There can't be, nobody can just wake up and just leave her and say, I'm going away from you. Right? You need some kind of food on your inside. That food is called, is spiritual meat. Spiritual meat. What will make you spiritual to, to change the way you reason and to change the way you think. Amen. Amen. The wine of the woman does something. She has an effect inside the soul. It's to spoil the soul. Right? Say, beware, let, let no man spoil you. Right? To spoil you means to make you on the inside be configured after a manner. That's what wine does. Wine brings configuration. Right? Brings what? A kind of configuration, a kind of thinking in a particular direction. This um, Colossians 2 verse 8. Let no any man spoil you. Beware, let any man spoil you through philosophy. And then what? Vain deceit. Philosophy is love of wisdom. Right? Vain deceit. After the tradition of men, and after the word, he calls it the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. So when he says not after Christ, it means the opposite of Christ are all these things. Philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men. Are you seeing them? Philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men, and then he calls it the rudiments. It's what he called the rudiments of this world. The rudiments of this world are, if you want to live in this world, you must follow all this pattern to live. And who are the people who enforce these things? They are who you call the kings of the earth, right? The kings of the earth, they have raw wine from, the, they fetch wine directly from the woman to, they define the philosophies of men. Philosophies of men, how men reason, how men think. When you see someone fighting spirituality, it's because of certain way of wisdom. It's, it's not, you're not just talking to an ordinary thing, you're talking to a wisdom. It's a wisdom. When someone is, has arguments against being spiritual, 
Why should you focus on God? Why should you do that? There are arguments against that. It's a type of philosophy. Right? Wine isn't just you behaving like a drunkard. No, wine, actually the purpose of wine is to create the inward strength to think differently. The inward ability to think what is certain way. When you see somebody is strong when it comes to the rudiments of this world, that person has drunk plenty of wine. When you see a wine drinker, they don't act drunk. They act very articulate. You're the one who acts drunk. So what's wrong? You just go to meeting, go to church every time, Bible. Can't you use your sense? Now, the person who wants you to use your sense, he seems very sober. You know, like, you know, very articulate. Think about every single thing you are doing. Plan them. Am I against planning? No. But I'm talking about that you're planning you are doing. Is who is sponsoring it? Where are you planning to? Any planning that makes you forget God is not good. I don't care. I don't, I don't care the merits of it. Say, ah, I'm planning for my family. Shouldn't I take on my children? Yeah, there's a way you can do it without leaving God. You can do it a certain way without forgetting God. Without, the, without killing your spiritual trajectory. Do you see that? This philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men, in this thing there is also religion there. It has its own prescription for how Christianity should be done. Go to church on Sunday, message must not be more than 30 minutes, 40, 50 minutes. Anything more than that, you are wasting time. You have other things to go and do. It has a, it has a definition for, who, for what ministry is, who a pastor should be, how a pastor should be structured, how church should be, how evangelism should be done. Definition for Christian life. Anything you can think of, it has this philosophy, doing the seat. This is not talking of idol worship. It's talking about the, the, this woman, her wine. <laughs> Praise God. Are you seeing where she's seated? Upon many walls. Nobody is free. She said she sits upon seven heads. Those heads are seven mountains. Every place she sits on is a mountain. Is that where she is sitting is higher than men. When thoughts from her comes, they feel like answer. Solution. Whoa, finally. This is how humanity should be. You just see, wow, I see clearly direction has been given. You know, when you say mountain, mountain, there are different levels of mountain. There are there are thoughts from the base of the mountain. There are thoughts from the, from the top of the mountain. If they bring a mountain tip top thought to, to you, I mean a worldly mountain top thought. Have you ever seen someone before who just receives a fresh realization that what? Christianity is nonsense. Why am I spending time on doing all these kind of things? 
Why can't I just be now a good person and focus on being good and then solving the world problems? Doing all manner of things. These are the deceptions of the developed world. So it's clear that the developed world, a lot of times, when you say the world has been developed, it's the developed world, developed nations. It means that you have, they've drank into the deep end of the wine. They fetch thought from the top of the mountain. And the, the top of the mountain is higher than the memory of God in men's heart. After some time, God loses relevance. All you see is natural life. The expediency of the natural life. The reality. Why should you be focusing on the invisible? Say it's good to go to church for inspiration, uh, right? Because they notice that inspiration is, is, is also in need of man. So just go there, let, it, let the pastor preach to you, encourage you, and inspire you for what? To go and serve vanity, right? Are you seeing that wine? How you know that the wine is strong in you? You don't, you don't see God as reality. You see God in a, in a way that is just, but when it comes to your life, making decisions, sacrifices, what you are able to give to him, you won't see. When you are wined with the world, you won't have the capacity to hold God a certain way. So this thing is called philosophy. They are spoilers. They spoil the heart concerning spiritual things. Through philosophy, vain deceit, then he calls it the tradition of men. The tradition. That was, it's not traditions, like different traditions, Yoruba tradition, our Canadian tradition, American traditions. Man has one tradition. Tradition means that which man has been doing, that has perpetuated for generation to generation. That once somebody is a man, I don't mean male, I mean a human being. Once you are a man, you have a tradition. Can you summarize what's the tradition of, him, of man? What's the tradition of man? It's simple. Simple. What's the tradition of man? Take care of your natural well-being. Right? That tradition started from who? Cain. Since Cain started doing it, no man Men have, every man that came picked the same tradition. Take care of your natural well-being. Even when you are thinking about spirituality, think of it as a way to inspire you to do natural things. It's a tradition of men. After then is what the rudiments of the world. What are the things that they are rudimentary principles in this world? They are rudimentary, rudimentary. You can't go against them. You can't break them. But those are the things that Christ comes to break. These things here are the yokes of men. Right? They are what they are. These are the yokes. They, are, they have to do with the world. This, sum, this summarizes that first yoke. That first yoke. 
Right? Anything that has to do with the world. That word, first yoke. This summarizes it. So, the key thing about this woman, praise God, you have to understand is she's a woman who operates by the law of fornication. Right? Kings fornicate with her, then they bring the wine of her. So, when you are drinking that wine, you are also fornicating with her through the wine. Because they call it the wine of her fornication. The wine came from her fornication. So, see, philosophies, rudiments of this world, they're actually wines of fornication. It's the product of, of fornication. Amen. Another way to describe fornication, fornication is a type of um, a type of an alignment that is um, that is um, that is operated with the law of friendship. It's an inordinate alignment as an operation of the law of friendship. Friendship with the world, quickly, let's see it. Amen. Ye adulterers, adulteresses, know that, you know sometimes they, they, they mix the words of adultery and fornication. Mm-hmm. But there's what they call real adultery. You understand what I mean? <laughs> but really adultery and fornication, they are really the same thing in a sense. But adultery is just is when they want to qualify it further, that the person who is doing this fornication is a married fellow or someone who, who belongs to someone else in marriage. You understand what I mean? So the world, there are two kinds of people who fornicate with the world. There are those who are fornicators and those who are adulterers. They are not all the same. It depends on what season, what, kind, what oracles that they are interacting with. Someone who is interacting with the oracle of the strong meat, which is the oracle of marriage. That oracle Someone can be, be have, that oracle can be open to you, but you still fall back into adultery. You get what I mean? So there's adulterers and adulteresses. Are you seeing that? But you see, when it comes to the world, it's the law of friendship. The law, the world does not have a, 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 a better law than friendship. The world cannot offer you more than friendship. It will offer you friendship. Know you know that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Amen. Are you seeing that? So the friendship of the world, because the friendship of the world is, a, is like the world is your girlfriend. Nobody say girlfriend. 
Praise God. It's, that it's outside that operation. It's not hasn't been bound by a higher law of marriage. It's not governed by the law of marriage. It's governed by friend. And that's why Satan knows, he designed the world and he knows what he's using the world for. But the world is not the greatest problem. That's just the first woman. So that woman of Babylon, she has the power of friendship, which is deadly and dangerous. Because look at what it's saying here. This is what it can stop you from. Anybody who drinks that wine, you stay with that wine, you be, it will configure you. Who is an enemy of God? Someone who has embraced philosophies, vain deceit, what? Tradition of men, and then rudiments of this world. When you have those things, you'll be an enemy of God. Because you are a friend of the world, you become an enemy of God. Amen. Amen. So it's a type of defilement. This is the first type of defilement. That, so you see, you need wine to deliver you from this one. Are you seeing that? You need what? Wine to deliver you. Wine to be a friend. Friend with the world. So the world sits in the soul. Worldliness is a friendship. Worldliness is what? It's a friendship. It's what you are a friend of. Right? Like what Israel and Egypt had was a type of friendship. How do I know they are not married? Israel had their own district in Egypt. They were not mixed in together with the Egyptians. And Egypt, the Pharaoh and Egypt, they didn't have the kind of power to cause there to be a mixture with the Israelites. He gave them a place called Goshen. So there were actually two nations who were inhabiting the land who were friendly with one another. It's a, it's a kind of a friendship, but it's a deadly friendship. It's a friendship that you have also sworn something to. I, I won't leave you. I know who, to, who you are. I know what you give me. And you supply me with certain things. Lost of the eyes. Lost of the flesh. The pride of life. Those things are sweet and they are nice. Because you are supplying those things. Do you see those food, those things? You're supplying them. We'll maintain our friendship. It's the pact that we have with the world. But if you, have, if you maintain that friendship, you'll be an enemy of God. And enmity with God means you won't arrive at peace with God. So the wine of redemption from the world is a wine that should produce peace with God. That justification by faith, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope. We can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God because we have arrived at peace with God. To arrive at peace with God means you have rejected the wine of the world. 
You must reject, what is the wine? Reject its philosophies, its vain deceit, the tradition of men, the rudiments of this world. You have to reject them. A spiritual soul is a soul that has rejected all those things. It's a journey to reject them. It's not that easy. It's a journey. First of all, you must be separated from it. Separated from it means that you, can, you must first be separated from it. Then you now must learn not to touch it. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Those are the two programs of dealing with the wine of the world. You must be what? Separated from it, and then you, what? you must learn not to touch it. There's a season of separation from it. Then there's a season of now learning not to touch it. When you look at Israel's journey, you can see those two seasons. First thing, God separated them from it, brought them out. But when he separated them, the school of thought, they were touching it constantly. They carried it with them. <laughs> Then God said, in order for you to, to remove it from you, you must cross the Red Sea into the wilderness. The wilderness is a type of a season where they teach how not to touch the unclean. They want to dry out the appetite. Those people of bringing manna, all those things, is to remove the taste of Egypt from their soul. After separating them, you have to dry out the taste of that friendship. Let them reject the friendship with the world. That's what you call sanctification, right? There's separation. That's what you call sanctification. What is separation? Praise God. Separation, amen. Today is just a day to help some of us who maybe don't understand some things about the message and all. Amen. amen. For some of you guys who have been eating strong meat, I hope it's not too boring for you. That's my only problem. But you have to walk in love, you understand? I have to teach at this level, and all these things is very necessary. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you have brethren too, you, you can't be an older brother, only you is eating all the time, and the, the younger ones. Praise <laughs> God. And there will be more of this. We have to do it. You, you have to have your heart and realize that, look, man, we have. People have to grow everybody. We have to cater to everything. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. When I was Pastor Jeff talking about the war, we know all this war thing. We about. Amen. But <laughs> Some people don't know. Me, I know there are people here who don't know about the world. So we have to still talk. Satan doesn't want us to talk about it. Because he knows that if you still have the world in you, you have enmity against God. When the strong mid open, you say, ah, it's too strong, you throw it away because of a friendship. You've not been exercised to do what, to discern good. You try to judge the strong meat with your worldly sense. Praise God. So you see that dealing with that woman is through phases. They have separation first, then sanctification. Sanctification is the real place where they will really remove the, the effect of the wine. 
You see all those rudiments of this world, all of those things they mentioned there, it's in sanctification, where they remove those things. But you must first separate a fellow. Any, anybody who hasn't been separated will never be sanctified. So if maybe you just came around these waters very recently, you're not to show all these things you're talking about, what should I be doing? What's my own focus? Where am I right now? Let me explain you where you are to you. Actually, if you are someone who you are listening to this, well, you're not too sure, should I continue listening to this thing? Or should I go back to what I know? If you have that question, you have not been separated. Or your separation has not been complete. And because of that, they can't begin to sanctify you. The reason is because the, in, the things that are needed for sanctification, those things are holy things. And there's a principle of you don't, not giving them to dogs and to swine. Because one day they can just decide. They will trample upon it, turn away, rent you. That rent you means they will begin to talk against you. All of those guys, you guys feel you are too this, you are too that. Because they were never separated fully. The separation wasn't fully done. You are, you are trying to bring holy things to them. So you see, the law of the temple is that holy things must be kept inside the veil. Holy, every realm of holy things is a veiled realm. Right? And the only people who will have access to the, the things, the materials, to make you stop touching the unclean thing, you must first have undergone some kind of a dealing called separation. Separation is the soul re reaching a state of abandonment to priestly life. Where the soul has given up, when the soul looks at the whole world and the soul will, will say, honestly, I'm tired of all these things. Right? Separation, that's the Le Levitical order. The Levites, they are not priests, but the Levites are not the, just everybody. That thing about the courts, you see the courts? Amen. Amen. In, in wilderness, you won't see it too much. It's just one outer, one court. But in the temple, there are many courts, arrays of courts that daddy was teaching. First, from the court of the Gentiles. What does that court of Gentiles tell you? It means that every Israelite is a Gentile. When it comes to the sense of purification, really. Right, when, it, when it comes to the sense of it, there's no difference between the Israelite in the camp and the Egyptian in Egypt. That they are real Gentiles. That's the first court. Though the outmost court is the court of Gentiles. But the innermost court, that one is the court of the Levites. So the journey of the court is to transform you from a Gentile to a Levite. When you have become a full Levite, you have been separated. That thing, what I'm talking about, these are real stuff. Your soul can get there. My soul got there one day. The day your soul has gotten there is the day that you, you that settlement. You know, see, a Levite would have removed all his clothes, wear his Levite garment, and stay. You stay before the tabernacle and say, all my life is going to be here right now. Even though the within 
holiness. It's not yet open to me. But I have come to a state of abandonment in this place that I'm seeing that I'm tired of using the light of the sun. I want to use the holy light. The holy light is the light of revelation that will open, praise God, give an insight into the uncleanness which needs to be removed from the soul. So if, if you are still in that place where, ah, what of righteousness, is it for me, is it this? It means that you need to work on your separation. The things that are, that, are, that are still enticing you away from it are things in the world, they are nonsense, they are useless things. <laughs> right? They are useless things, there's, there's nothing. But you just haven't gotten to the point where you've seen that everything in this world is useless yet. So a Levite is somebody who has, who has counted everything useless in this world. They don't care anymore. They fulfill that law. So, and the Lord will be checking. Once the heart gets there, the, that person begins to now say, I'm not understanding this thing oh, you guys are talking about too. You know why? Because understanding of this word of righteousness comes with particular light that shines in the dark place. The shine is a night beyond the veil. When you begin to, wow, I understand. It means you have left the general light of the sun. You have moved into the holy place. You begin to have dealing with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, counsel and mind, knowledge of the, and the fear of the Lord to begin to explain holiness to you. I mean, real holiness, not the kind of one of religious stuff. I mean, real holiness to explain what is uncleanness, what to make you really understand. What does it mean when you say lost of other things? Not to, then you now begin to see it as your friend. Hey, we have to talk about this friendship. You might have to look for another friend. I'm no longer willing. Do you know that it takes some kind of light and some kind of food? There's a shoe bread inside the holy place. Right? That's also the table of feasting. Like it takes some kind of light and some kind of food for you to see lost and hate lost. I'm not saying the lost has left you. You still is there, but you hate it. For you to see, you know, pride of life is not the only that's just the first pride. Do you understand? You know that? The pride of life is a pride of Babylon. That's not, the, that's not the most prideful thing. It's, it's pride of life. That's the first pride. There's a higher pride than that too. Pride of life is the pride which the world makes, gives a man. That pride is tied to life. It's things about life that can make you proud. Right, it's in the wall, it's different, but that are, when you deal with that one, you know, there's another Baba of pride. That one is the grandmaster, that one is pride of self. This is another kind of thing entirely. That one is not your friend, he's married to you. That one, you can't just drive him like that. You say, well, you drive me to where we have the same address. We have the... 
this is my house too. This way, I'm you, you are me. We are one. And the twin shall become one flesh. So what are you talking about? <laughs> Amen. Amen. If you're here, you, you, what I just described as separation, you've not gotten there. That's what you need to begin to pray. Pray, ask the Lord, I need to speak. I want to see this message. And I want to get to a point where I, I see that there's nothing else that you desire for my soul. It doesn't mean you've understood it. You understand what I mean? Because the light is first as a light that shines in a dark place. That one is the beginning of dealings of sanctification. Revelation. So you can, you might not be fully, have fully open, opened up into the ministry of revelation fully, but you can gain separation. You can gain separation by a word, by a kind of pool, an allure for righteousness. You, get, you are able to discern another life. That's the key. Right? Covenant of Christ is life and peace. You, can, you have to discern another life. That's the main thing that makes you separate. You say, this life, this sanctified life, this holy life, I, I desire it, is better than the life of the world. It's better than the life of pursuing every other thing in this world. So I'm going to stay around this tabernacle until they give, open a door to me, until the veil is open to me for, to begin to the, for the transaction of holiness and transaction of sanctification. So if you've not separated, walk to get separate. Pray to get separated. I tell the Lord, you see, around this tabernacle, I want to find a settlement around it. It is not a matter of whether you here understanding all the revelation. If you don't settle, they can't open. It's like just bringing one random Israelite from the camp. You want to bring him into the sanctuary. No. When you bring him inside there, he will do some things. He will turn the table upside down. He will do a man. He will see some things he can go and sell there. One day you wake up, he has taken the candlestick and he has gone to selling it to one. <laughs> <laughs> You can merchandise anything. Amen. You become a dealer of shoe bread. The priest will come. Ah, some, you know, it's ten rows. Ah, one money. Two rows are missing from the <laughs> Because you, br you brought a strange fellow into the. He doesn't know what holy things are. He said he would trample upon them and rent you. He has the nature of a gentile, a dog who can appreciate holy things. You get what I'm trying to say? Yes, the, the, you must pray to the Lord. Lord, I want to see the holiness of these things. I want to see the value of it. Even though you're not having revelation, there's a sense where you can perceive the life. That I'm, I'm willing to spend, that's, what, that's the, the, the decision of a Levite. I'm willing to spend my whole life learning holiness. I'm willing to spend my whole life staying on. Did these thoughts come from God? Yeah, I want to live there. I, I'm not, I don't care about anything. Men have written all books. All, there is all knowledge in the world. 
But you see, this one that came from God, I'm willing to settle and commit my whole life to learn it. That's a separated fellow. The first mark of separation is the, the capacity for the first sacrifice. That's why you, you meet the first altar, that altar of bronze outside. When you can, you know, the journey from the first court to that altar, which is just before the sanctuary, is a journey. That's the journey of separation. Well, how you know you've been separated, you are now willing to offer. To offer now means all the things which you hold there, like the language of Paul in Philippians, all things which were gained to me. I've counted them all lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That's the language of a sanctified fellow. I've decided... I've decided, I've count all things done that I may do what? I may win Christ. I, if I don't get anything else in this world anymore, I'm okay. Just, I just want Christ. You know, that is an, that, that's an altar language. Means you are, you are willing to submit everything in this world to fire. Lord, take them by fire. I want to make it an offering made by fire. And fire means you can't recover it back. When fire has finished with what you brought, is the end of it. No getting it back. You get what I'm trying to say? When God sees such a heart, you're now moving to Ephesians 1 season. Paul smelt it in the Ephesian church. These guys have become, they've, they've got into a place where their heart has done well. Amen. Amen. Your faith if I heard of your faith in Lord Jesus, love all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of, your, of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You know, you know he's praying about the lights here. Do you know? There's a way you can feel that this church, they were just in the milk. They haven't come near. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. I don't, even though, well, you know, it's hard to sometimes to tell the difference between um, people who are outside and those who have gained separation because you won't see too much difference in the need. They still touch the same unclean things. Sanctification has not been done. But see, there is a difference. One of them is living in his oblivion, is enjoying the world. The other one has gotten to a point where he has seen the futility of the world. And is now willing to sacrifice. At that point, Paul began to pray for them that God, these people need access. They need, they need access through the first veil. Means they need access to the lamps, to the light that will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. Do you want this spirit? God checks the heart before these dealings begin to occur. Someone can come, oh, I'm not understanding, I didn't understand, so therefore I'm not sure, will I stay, will I go? <laughs> you will never understand. God doesn't, is a law of the Bible. God won't say, come, let me show you my nakedness, let me see if you will stay or go. No. God will, he will check you and check you. Are you, are you willing to stay? Have you seen, found everything else that's nothing? And you've settled in me. Then they now begin to pray this thing for you. So the eyes of your understanding. 
So it means that you now find that it's after you have settled, you now begin to understand. Understanding is not to make you decide to stay. Understanding is to deal with your problems. You can't bring a person who is deciding, am I going to stay, and then you want to begin to... Do you know the heat of the holy place? You want to begin to subject them to (laughs) fire of burning, to burn out their impurities. (laughs) You can't do that. Before before you bring a person to that kind of season, they've already offered something. The first sacrifice on the brazen altar has already been done for them. There's a sense of abandonment. And then when dealings come, say, God, if you want to kill me, kill me. I've already given up my order pursuit. That sense of abandonment is what produces sanctification. The eyes begin to open. Oh, my God. Lord, this is what this thing really... You know, there's what you can do. Lost is bad. That's not enough. The sight must be deep. When you, they will now show you this is what this is the kind of animal lost Esau. They will show you its eyes, show you all the maggots coming out of everything. That this is who you have been hugging as your friend. Hey, you begin to cry, Jesus. That's what revelation does to you. Revelation produces hatred for things you once loved, things you once loved and sought to protect. You begin to hate them. You know all those things, spots against charity, my own thing, my own way. Thinking of, you know that thing, why you do that is because you like yourself, you like your things, you don't discern the brethren. After a while, you begin to hate that thing. Why would I be thinking of myself all the time? This is ugly, this is not, not nice because of eyes. When they show you charity life, it looks more beautiful to you. It takes eyes to see that. And those eyes are many sides which must come through the lambs. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you see, so sanctification itself, that's where they deal with that friendship with the world. After being separated, they deal with that. But there's another thing. There's something more latent. While someone is, was, all the time you spent in the world, Satan was doing many things. You now discover that in an unbeliever who is in the world, the devil, the devil is trying to be their friend by, through the world, through that woman. But some people, and most of us, not just some people, almost all of us, we also married him. That devil we're talking about. He has two women. Those two women of defilement. There's the first one called Babylon. That one has the power of friendship. The friend is someone you can see by your side. It's different from you. Then you can try, okay, you, you, what you are doing is bad. You can separate that friend. I'm not friend with you anymore. It has a different power. But Satan has a higher woman. In the spirit, she's typified as Jezebel in the Bible. 
not Babylon the great. Jezebel. Jezebel is not about friendliness. Jezebel is a teacher of servants. Do you see that? She seduced who? Servants to do what? Commit fornication. And to do what? Eat what? Things. Sacrifice. This fornication here is, is a what? Is a type of an adultery. You see that? And this one is unto marriage. Is unto marriage. When you, you can't think of Jezebel without thinking of Ahab, can you? So it means that what Jezebel was doing to Israel was doing by the power of marriage. Being married to the king. The other one serves wine to kings. They are friends. They come and fornicate with her. She's their girlfriend. They come to the wilderness and fornicate with her and go away. And drink and serve her wine. But Jezebel was married to a king. Through marriage, she was controlling all of God's people. Elijah was a holy place man, but she could deal with him easily, no problem at all. When Jezebel was in Israel, she was Israel. The one prophet that God raised was on the run. <laughs> After killing all the prophets of Baal, right? So you mean Elijah could kill prophets of Baal, but when this woman came, he had to run away. And him running was a kind of wisdom. Because you know, this woman can handle me if I stay. In fact, they had to now give him food to escape her. Food from above. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Now, do you know a soul can have these two women inside? One is more obvious. One is Eden. This one, this Jezebel one. This one has a palace. He get. The other one, kings come to the wilderness to take wine. And this one lives in the palace with the king. She has her own room. She has her own bed. She, that place is on her address. She is latent inside. The Babylon, Babylon in you sounds like a bad friend. Jezebel in you sounds like you. And you don't see Jezebel as seen. She has an, she's staying by an everlasting strength 
which is the strength of marriage. Is till death do us part. That's an everlasting strength. It's not like friendship is not till death do us part. We can disagree and go our certain ways. But this one is we are one. We are one. Now, are you seeing this is that? So, redemption from this one is the second redemption. When you say there's a redeemed from what? First of all, you're redeemed from the earth. Then you have to be redeemed from among men. From among men has to do with um, man has to do with stature, development, glory to Jesus. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? So, the sorry, about to be done. I just want to land what I'm saying and then we can go. Praise God. So while you are journeying in the spirit. Sometimes you won't know the problem. Like I said, the separation. You won't know what they need to deliver you from if you can't find the meekness to stay around the, the tabernacle. Then when they move, you move into the sanctuary, you now realize, oh my God, all this lust and pride and all this war, this, these things are really bad. While they are dealing with that thing, they are dealing with a wine inside the soul. But while you are busy dealing with your worldliness, you might not detect there is another, another thing inside inside that one is called sin it's not the world it's what it call, it's not sins the world is a house of sins many sins those sins are the unclean things right praise god or what you call they are unclean things when you touch the unclean thing the unclean thing is actually sin if you touch the unclean thing, you magnet sins. The unclean thing gives birth to sins. Every sin came from the unclean thing. But the unclean thing is sin itself. That's what people touch and get uncleanness to themselves. There will not be a time they have to now deal with the unclean thing itself. Or to deal with sin, what you call sin, Sin does not appear sinful. That, and that it's, it's staying power. The staying power of what? Sin is what? Does not appear sinful. To get to the zone where you can begin to discern sin and deal with sin, your senses must have been exercised by reason of use. You must have come to a, a, a state of fullness of age. Of full age, you have their senses exercised. That discernment is a very, very, it's actually a kind of discernment. Praise God. You actually cannot really see it, right? They must put you to bed, put you to sleep, put, take away your consciousness. And then in another consciousness, you begin to see what is called sin. You get what I'm trying to say? Sin, the everlasting nature of sin is in its indetectability. When, when you see, you know how sin talks? Sin sounds like this. Well, well, I've removed everything that this world has 
brought to me and I hate everything about the world. This world is nothing. This world is nonsense. There's nothing in the world for me. I just want to serve Jesus and I just want to serve the Lord. You understand what I'm trying And the person who is talking is talking with light, not, not, not just religious fellow. I mean somebody who knows loss of the eye, loss of the flesh, pride of life, dealt with it, lost ambition. Someone who can talk like Paul in Philippians chapter 3, counted the loss for all things. I've done all of those things. I just, I just need to be to serve God. Sin that can be seen. And that such a fellow can be a preacher of the word of righteousness, like this man standing before you. I'm trying to show you what sin is. Sin is not the impurities in the world. Sin is the, is the frame of the nature that is off. Do you understand what I mean? It's the, it's the frame. You see all those scenes that, you have been, that when you are in the world that you are engaging in, there's a frame that was carrying them. When you remove those impurities, that frame left is not okay. And there's nothing you can do about that frame. You have to bring him into the presence of God. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Guys, when you now begin to come into God's presence, and you now begin to see what is the task of when the everlasting life, what is the everlasting life? You <laughs> is to is is a, the divine life. When you're learning divine life, you're learning the power that can reframe a man. And Create compatibility with the divine order. That's what you call strong meat. Strong meat. Strong meat is the meat that can do strong things. That can dissolve strong things. Strong issue. The day you know that they've started helping you in presence of God is that the day you ask yourself, I'm no longer worldly, but why am I like this? So you might not understand what I'm saying. We're talking about your frame. Are you seeing that thing? Sin doesn't seem unrighteous. It seems like you. But when you now get to the presence of God, you know, God will not say, you are not okay. Why is God not, why can't, okay, why can't you just accept me now? Why can't you just accept me? Why can't you just accept me the way I am? God will say, if I just accept you the way you are, we can start from Genesis again. 
And all the problem that Adam caused, you will cause it. Adam wasn't sinful when he caused problem. And Adam did not have sin. So it means that God didn't make Adam in a finished state. So there are things beyond sin. You know some of these things, when we are talking about everlasting, people have gotten angry. What's everlasting life, eternal life? Why are you trying to differentiate everything? And then they went to God and they told the pastor, a pastor now called one of our pastors and I sat him down and said, what is this thing? They said, you guys are talking, everlasting life is not the same as eternal life and all of that. What's all this stuff you're talking about? Then maybe God just inspired him and just said, Pastor, don't, all this is just... It's just confusion for nothing. That all that we are just saying is that all of God, there's more to God than dealing with sins. And after God has finished dealing with all our sin, God still has things to do to man. Now, if you don't accept that, something is wrong with you somewhere. It's clear that God made Adam for an eternal destiny. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? But Adam must fulfill, had to have fulfilled the cause of everlasting life, which he did not fulfill. He fell below that. You understand what I mean? So when, so an Adam, you know Adam, after he then sinned, he wasn't worldly. But he has died. Something has happened to him. We then saw that scene show up in Cain. Because, now let me tell you something else. Do you know Cain was in worldly? Was it worldliness that made Cain kill Abel? I'm trying to show you what sin is. It wasn't worldliness that made Cain kill Abel. Abel maintained a frame that Cain could not maintain. It wasn't about worldliness. But sin inside of him hated Abel. You might not be worldly, but you can hate God. When they begin to talk about the standard of everlasting life, eternal life, something inside you, just there, will be rejecting it somehow. It will be refusing the compatibility with your nature. Why the message is coming, that thing is talking back. How are we going to fall into this thing? When they talk about the lamb, the onion, all of those things. Something inside you, I get what I'm trying to tell you. It's just something inside you is, <laughs> this thing, is it me? 
Mi, mi. Mi. Are you that me? You know how, if you want to know sin, hmm? listen to a message about eternal life. <laughs> you might feel you don't have sin. Then when you're in the middle of the message, you know that three, three quarter part where when the thing has opened up, the reality is heavy and the, the weight of what's being said has begun to land. Now, now listen to that thing that's talking, that voice that talks at that time. It doesn't usually sound sinful like the world. It's not worldly, but it's another type of resistance. It is, it is making a case that your nature is not compatible with this thing that is sin. It's not telling you, go outside of the world, go and leave, the, you know, leave God. No, no, it's just something. It is resistant to the divine nature. It resists the divine nature. That thing called sin, a person who is not worldly can depart from the living God. There is something else that is a high, more highly powered, high powered. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Glory to God. Is Satan worldly? No. He created the world. The world he created, he doesn't use it personally. It's just for men who are weak. You understand what I'm trying to say? Amen. Say oracles. I'm just showing you different to define aspects of the, the oracles. Now, that strong with that thing about the nature that's not being compatible with the divine nature. God has an answer to that. It's called the strong meat. If you keep eating strong meat, eating strong meat, you know, they will give you a combined meal of the meat and the strong meat. Even with milk in there, yes, just keep eating them. Yes, One thing you must be committed to is eating. You must be. You must be. You must be. And the way of food is not in your conscious mind. There are many things food will do. The food you are eating can be affecting your environment, dealings, all kind of things to put you in a state. You will, you will, you will respect and depend more on dealings in the season of the strong meat of the world. You know, there are dealings for, to make you sanctified. Dealings around charity among the brethren. The laws of loving your brethren. The dealings for the divine nature are more, they are more invisible. They are higher. They actually, they are more strange. Sometimes when the dealings start and they are leading you to act and behave a certain way and live a certain way, it's not easy to say, why are they asking me to do this? For example, if they are telling you, hey, don't sow too much into this pursuit. They are lost there. And then dealings of might come around that area that begin to shut down some opportunities to help your soul to gain sanctification. It's easier for you to understand why. So yeah, why? Because God didn't want me to take that thing because there are things in that place that my soul might not be ready for that can pollute me. It's easy to see. But in the order of the divine life, the kind of instruction they bring are not that obvious. 
He said, but there's no sin here. There's nothing. Why, why are you asking me to do it this way? Or why are you asking me to live this way? Your own discernment is not, it's not easy because you are used to just thinking in terms of sin. But God thinks in terms of nature. God is just, it's just that doing it this way is, so it's aligns with this nature. That's not the divine nature. The divine nature does it this way. It's talking about nature preference. It's God has nature preference of how your nature should be to make it compatible with his life. Amen. When they are teaching strong meat, that is teaching. If you are used to just, ah, the world. You know when you are talking about sanctification, when your eyes open, you can easily see the sin that message is targeting. This one, that sin, or this selfishness here, that one. Sometimes the whole message of strong meat, you are wondering, okay, uh, <laughs> it's different from what you are used to. But all they will just be, check it, divine nature message. It's, all, it's just describing natures. Contrasting different natures. Imagine contrasting the nature of a lamb and a little lamb. You can just think, is this necessary really? Is it? Because you are looking for the show, we're talking about all the, your greediness, your, your, your selfishness, your lust, your, your shoulder pads, your power, all of those issues. But but when they, they are moving you into the, the excellent realm, as the most holy, the most holy is the, is the realm of excellency, is how to make things excellent. That's their, the focus of such message. It's not, it's not make it good from bad. No, it's how to make things excellent. How, how can you make something good excellent? The heart must be ready to stay on such kind of message and keep listening and listening and listening and listening for here. There is a love in there. Commitment to excellency of nature. It's a type of love. It's called the love of the Father. So behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. We should be called the sons. So now are we the sons of God? So we are sons who? Now are we the sons? Yet it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we see him, when he appears, we shall be like him. So you can be a son but not yet like him. So you must go to a school of excellency. When you shall see him, you shall be like him. It's the, the strong meat, the oracle of the strong meat that brings this kind of conversation. Just begin to pray. Just give you a short time. Just pray in your heart. However, the Lord has ministered to you. Ask the Lord for help for responsiveness ask him to help you ask him to help you ask the Lord 
provisions. There are provisions at different level. Wherever you are, wherever your soul is, wherever your heart is, is the house of bread. Bethlehem. There is bread for your soul. The oracles of God are speaking open in this season with so much help. There is no one under the sound of my voice without help. The Lord beckons to you with his provisions by the oracles. There's a mention of your name coming after you, coming after your heart. You begin to ask the Lord for an appetite, fresh appetite. You begin to see where you are right now. There's a flourishing of appetite, something that needs to be more enriched within your heart to feed at the level which the Lord is convicting you of. Ask the Lord for more strength, more strength, more strength, more tenacity, more strength, more hunger, more, more desire. Ask God, give me wine to drink. Leon Satai Hart Manasa upon the mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people, all people, feast of fat things, feast of wine on the lees, foul things full of marrow, wine on the lees, well refined, well refined, well refined. for some of you, it's time to cross oracles, to change oracles. Ask for help, ask for grace. Ask for grace, ask for grace. Me on setaya, malonta leno, malito leno, melita leo, malito leho, menisoliha, eriento speranda vayanjura pata kaihose. Oh, 
Sotovela. Oh, Maushiven, Uveshovena. Oh, Masatayara, Masota, on the Supajan, Prasuendo, Rufikandre, Opecandro, Zopretohe, Antalonse, Antaloste, Antalansa, Retanosia, Tamation, Talaparataka, Emprataka Paleto, Clento, Viscalenduske, Yamonjalus, Fayando, Sevionde, Eprondemo, Oprendome, Emprodome, 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 Ramble, Talflain, Salflan, Timflan, Simvlom, Emflom, Temflam, Do fly me on to fly home. Yeah, fly on the flan on the flan on the flan on the flan on a flan on yon Oh, mercy. Ask for mercy. Cry for mercy. Ask for mercy. Ask for mercy. Ask for mercy. Ask the Lord for help to, to make war with your enemies, to fight your enemies. That the Lord has prepared a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. Begin to pray all adversaries, all adversaries against my feeding, against my feasting, against my journey, against my growth, against my increase. Give me help, Lord. Give me help, Lord. Give me help. Ask the Lord, quicken my taste buds, my appetite. Quicken my appetite, mental apashoprieta, le frasieta ramaora pesuprieta labaota, refriona hasa. Ah, matona. Oh, liatona hata. Keep praying. I don't want you to pray because I'm telling you to pray. Just, even if it's for a short time, just. I want a sincere prayer from your heart. Whatever the Lord has shown you about yourself in this message, speak to the Lord concerning it. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Lord is saying to you that this year I will abundantly bless your provision. Bread will not be lacking to you. You know how we started the year about food, manna. This is the year of food. This is the year of manna. This is the year of the oracles for you. The Lord is saying, I will bless you. The blessing of the oracles not just the hearing but an empowerment even to do even to fulfill all that is required to fulfill righteousness standards of righteousness where you take on your your priestly calling take on your vocation even in the spirit grace and strength will be upon you even mightily Mightily. I am seeing this will be a year of, of heightened senses. Senses. Those who are looking for holy sense, you will get it. Those looking for most holy sense, you will get it. No more barrenness. No more barrenness. If you've been barren for years, 
you will in one year gain the fruitfulness of seven years. It will cause both the former lane and the latter rain together in the same month to fall even upon your soul. In the name of Jesus, I'm seeing power for denials, power to break friendships with the world. Power for divorce. Divorce of the enemy. You see, this will be a year where difficult things will crack. They will will break. Judgment against nature. Frames which God has not framed. Every tree which he has not planted will be uprooted. Even in this year, in the name of Jesus. There are many of us who come into inheritance in the spirit. I'm talking about real landmarks in the spirit. I'm talking about your feet being established in a place where it can no longer be moved. So shall it be unto you. Thank you, Father. Today that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. So as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord will surround his people. I want to see yourself being surrounded by the Lord. In your going out, in your coming in, in your sleeping, in your waking up, being surrounded. As he surrounds Zion, so shall you be surrounded in the name of Jesus. I said you will hear the oracles. The oracles will speak to you. It will resound even in you. It will not just sound, but it will marshal you, move you to make decisions, to make change. You won't be weak concerning change. You will not be weak concerning obedience. You will walk. I said you will walk this year. You are going to walk and walk and walk and walk until you walk out of all your bondage, all your captivity. You will break free. You will break loose of everything that has kept you bound. In the name of Jesus, for upon Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness. And the sons of Jacob will possess their possession. So shall it be. In the name of Jesus. Just begin to thank the Lord. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Remakao Rama Sofaraha. Oh, we thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you. We receive it. We receive the blessing. We receive the blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Share the grace and fellowship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God bless you.